You're listening to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast, where we talk about sports and current events. And on today's episode, we have a special, special interview with somebody who is like my favorite player he's not currently playing anymore but I did go to see him last week Antoine Brockington yay I did my own clap I love it Antoine how are you all right how you feel oh I'm fine brother (laughs) that's my girl (laughs) so yeah clearly we're related because he's nuts but this is my brother my older brother, who I love so dearly and have had the pleasure of watching him play on many different levels. And I still think he's the best player. Would you agree, Antoine? I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah I got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like you're the best player I know. And I know a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> so we just want to thank you for, um, you know, being with us today and taking some time out of your busy, busy schedule just to. Talk about what your days were like, your playing days. I know. When did you start playing basketball? What age were you? Oh, man. Um, six. Oh, yeah. Yeah, six years old when I first started playing. Um, going to the games with dad, with my father, Isaac Cahoe, senior, um, and uh, St. Joe's Prep. And uh, that pretty much inspired me to start playing and um i've been playing ever since actually you know it wasn't a lot of little leagues back then Mm -hmm. so at six years old right so i can it yeah it wasn't little leagues because you way 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 back in the day (laughs) (laughs) way way back in the day but they didn't have all of the different, you know, structured leagues and everything like that for younger kids. When did you right. notice, or did you even notice that, hey, I'm, I'm kind of good at this. Yes, I like it, but now I'm actually, you know, improving and getting better at this. So if you started at six, when would you say that awareness came for you? Mm, awareness, wow. Um, as a teenager, uh, I had to be about 16 when I started realizing I was good. Oh, I thought, no, no, I thought I was good at 16. <laughs> but because uh, years before that, I couldn't really shoot. Um, played with a lot of good guys uh, growing up. And I realized I was just fast and could jump. Had no control. I was always out of control. No, I had no structure. <laughs> so I'm just like a, running around with a chicken with his head cut off. And, uh, you know, growing up back then, a lot of guys would just tell me, like, listen, slow down. You're running at 100 miles an hour. The game is not played that fast. But, you know, as a kid, you're talking about, sheesh. When I really started playing organized, I was uh, nine. was my first league I ever played in up East Falls called McDevitt um, Recreation Center. And uh, that was my first real league and real taste of playing under the whistle. 
because um, the rest was like school, you know, street ball games in the schoolyard, outdoors. So, you know, with really no structure because none of us really could play now that I'm sitting here thinking about it. <laughs> but playing inside a gym, yeah. you know, that was my first time really getting a, um, a mixture of playing with uh, Caucasian kids, Asian mm-hmm. kids, and uh, Hispanics at nine because up until then, it was just playing around the way, and I never ever faced anyone other than guys that look like me. Yeah. Now, when you got when you got older, because you said sixteen, and that's late. You know what I mean? When you had like an awareness of right. versus just athletic ability. Um, now, the guys that you played against were they? I would imagine were they older? Most of them, yeah. Most, Most of the guys of them, okay. were older. Mm-hmm. Um, coming up then. Yeah, most of the guys were older. Um, none of the guys were, you know, they were like high school guys that were were good at their time. And looking back at it now, I'm sitting here thinking like, they were all the best guys. Like none of the guys I played with growing up in the, um, in the projects were good. Like I, you know, <laughs> We were just, yeah. we were all, we were all looking at it like we were all like the same. But mm-hmm. to us, we thought we were good, especially right. me. Like you couldn't really pretty much tell me that I wasn't that great because I thought <laughs> I was. But I'm sitting here like watching basketball now. I'm like, yo, I really probably, I was terrible. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, as you grow up and you start, watching older guys play, I would take different things from their game and just mm-hmm. add to mine and I would work on it. That's good. So Antoine, this is Evan. Once again, thanks for hopping on for the interview. Uh, question for oh, you. I appreciate it. Um, you know, each city has its own basketball flavor. Um, what was Philly's basketball flavor, especially growing up as you played across the city and think, and then going out to other cities, what do you recognize about the Philly basketball culture? Philly, uh, Philly basketball culture, heart, toughness. That was, that's what we were, we were taught. Um, never bagged down. Um, I wasn't afraid to play against anybody anywhere. You know, it was always taught that everybody was good in their own hood. That was like our lingo back then. So, it was toward like I was from North Philadelphia. So when I left North Philadelphia, the way I played in North Philadelphia, I better play in Southwest Philadelphia, West Philly, and uh, South Philly, New York, Baltimore, D.C., wherever we went, I had to carry that same demeanor. So that was when you think of Philly, I say I would say Philly tough. We was more tough. It was far nose. Definitely, definitely. Sound like New York. I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> and we kind of had that same mentality, but we like to do a little flair, you know. We like dribble, dribble, yeah, dribble, dribble the ball, to, That's dribble it, the, the ball. A lot of tricks, a lot of tricks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because all we lived is around concrete, so <laughs> it'll be yeah, fifty guys on the court. So you have to figure out how to get through fifty guys to do the whole. But absolutely. I want to, I want to, I want to venture back during the time, um, and Akisha kind of alluded to that. When was your aha moment? Was it in? High school when you were scoring twenty eight points in your junior year, oh, when was that aha moment for you? I'm oh, better than the rest. 
Um, my aha moment. You know what it had to be? It would have had to been my when I start realizing I could really play was sophomore year playoff games, Northeast versus University of City. I had 27 points and uh we lo- we wound up losing that game, but I had 27 points and people were like, yo, you're next up. You know, you're gonna be able to do this. And I'm just sitting there crying. Like that wasn't the time to hear that when I'm my career, you know, my I just lost a playoff game and had 27 points because you know, as a, I was what six foot at the time. Yeah, I was like six foot. I wasn't taller than that. I know I wasn't taller than six foot, but <laughs> having a twenty-seven point game in the public league was like in the playoff game was big time. So that's when I realized the next year, like everybody was like, "Oh, it's your time! It's your time!" You know, all my seniors were going. I lo- I lost my whole team. Actually, I geez. All the guys were like, it was like five singers that left. <laughs> so that was, I would say that was my aha moment, my my sophomore year uh, playoff game against University of City. That's dope. That is amazing. Not only <laughs> did you play basketball, but you also played football. Well, I don't want to say play football because our father tells a different story. He says, Antoine (laughs) Antoine was the only football player he knew (laughs) that left the game with a clean jersey like every time give us the the tea he he actually got in the game but he wasn't trying to get tackled you weren't going to catch him and he stayed (laughs) clean like that is (laughs) that's beyond me so when you talk about your speed and jumping high, that's exactly what I imagine on the football field, right? But yeah, I know those skills, <laughs> those skills to transfer in high school, you can kind of play different sports and everything. But what got you from this sophomore who scored 27 points to going to Coppin State and being a Hall of Famer? Like, how did we, how did we get there? What was that, what was that role like? Oh man, yeah. First, I'm gonna address my uh, my dad talking about my uh, football skills. I was I was defensive back of the year. First of all, I had ten interceptions in one season. So he didn't tell all the whole story. The Thanksgiving game is what he's talking about. I was one of them pretty boys. I never liked to get dirty. So when they would try to tackle me, I would try to jump on somebody else so I wouldn't fall in the mud. <laughs> so, <laughs> So what I would do is when they would grab me or try to tackle me, I always try to find somebody else to fall on before I fell and really touched the ground. Like once my hand hit the ground in high school, you pretty much was down if your knee touched. So my knee pads may be dirty, but the rest of me, I didn't want to get on the bus with a dirty jersey. So yeah, that, that that was me in the Thanksgiving game, pouring down rain. And I, I definitely was the only clean player who played every snack. And I never was dirty. <laughs> I was never dirty. But, uh, yeah, but getting back from uh, from basketball after that, um, what people don't realize is after my junior year in high school, I broke my wrist 
And um, I never played my senior year in high school. So when I led the public league in scoring, I was a junior. And um, I missed my whole uh, senior year in high school. Um, and then I took the SAT late and didn't qualify. So I set out my whole freshman year. So now, mind you, I set out of two years of basketball. And um, my senior year in high school and my freshman year in college, I never even played. But a lot of people never really uh, knew that. But um, it was a lot of hard work staying in the gym, just taking bits and pieces from other players. And finally, uh, I say putting my ego to the side a little bit and started trying to develop a, a consistent jump shot, and um, which I never did until my junior year in college. And um, I, I was always athletic and fast and can jump. So a lot of people mistaken, you know, mistake that as, oh, he was good. I really think it back now that 48 years old, I really wasn't that good, but I appreciate, you know, my peers and people who watch me play say I was good, but knowing the game the way I know it now, um, I needed a lot of work, but my jump shot developed in my junior year in college. I started being uh, more consistent um, as far as being a ball player, learning different skill sets, picked up more weight. So going from high school to college, oh, man, it was, sheesh, that was a big jump. That was a big jump. So when you started playing ball your sophomore year, um, what was and especially after having kind of like a two-year hiatus of really playing, playing, what was the learning curve, if at all, or did you was it like, man, I'm 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 better than I thought I was playing college? Definitely game. not. Learning curve <laughs> from high school to college was the strength of the players, the IQ of the players. And number one of most of all was the speed of the game was totally different from high school. Like high school, you may have two guys that can really play and they were fast. But in college, it was like all five guys were moving at like warped speed for me. And I really couldn't, uh, I couldn't understand it. And a guy by the name of uh, Keith Carmichael, he was like Reggie Miller when I first got there. So he would run off a bunch of screens and they would set all these screens for him. And he, and when I tell you, he didn't miss anybody from Coppin to this day. I tell you that Keith Carmichael was, if he got an inch, he was shooting at least 98% from anywhere three to, it seemed like he'd never missed. And they, and he was running me ragged to the point I wanted to go home. Like I was on the phone trying to call my dad. And my stepmom and just like, yo, I, I got to come home. This this ain't for me. This, this, he's killing me every day for something. I got there August. So <laughs> one, two, three, like two months straight for 60 days straight. We played every day. So for 60 days straight, this guy tormented me. He laughed at me. And I swear he shot. He probably had. I don't even know if he missed the shot. Probably when I tackled him, I did tackle him because I wanted to fight. So I did tackle him one time. <laughs> So I did tackle him. I know I definitely tackled him one time, and I wanted to fight because it just seemed like he couldn't miss a shot, man. And that was the difference, man. From high school to college, the speed, the IQ, the uh, and, and just the, the the mental toughness was, was definitely a different. That was the, definitely a learning curve. 
Wow. You really selling yourself short. This is this guy who and <laughs> his I guess red shirt year didn't play second year average twelve, then average seventeen, then average twenty. Yeah, you weren't that good. Funny. But <laughs> and we had other guests who played and they average two, three, and then two, <laughs> 20 and 17. Um, but I, I, I just wanted to find out how was your recruitment? Because you did break your wrist. That was gonna that was gonna be my question. So your senior year, and the story was that somebody discovered you playing in a in a league. Um yeah. from your coach Frank um Oh, man. Uh, Nate Blackwell discovered Nate, Yeah, discovered you. So just tell us a story, how that happened. So you broke your wrist, and okay. I could I could kind of, I know the story. It didn't happen to me. It happened to my daughter. Um, she got a concussion um, wow. while training during her senior year, and um, she never got to play her senior year. But because of COVID, she had an opportunity to play in a playoff, and the team had to win one more game because it was, they only t- were taking the top two. And they lost that game, and that game she got cleared oh, to play God. the next game. So I know how frustrating it is. And and my daughter retired after that. She says she just wants to focus on school. So I cry. I have three girls. So I know I know the you know the frustration oh. of not going. So just a carry us through that segment of your life and 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 how you were discovered, if you don't mind. All right. So yeah, I broke my wrist uh September the 12th in 93 in a rec league. And uh, so when I got my cast off, it was, sheesh, you talking about September, I got my cast off like March of 94. And, um, you know, we started getting, I started a little rehab, but playing in the Sunny Hill League, um, Nate Blackwell was there and uh, Stephen Mookie Stewart was there. They were there uh, to watch another guy, Dwayne Tweet Johnson. He was like seven foot from Frankfurt. And um, it was a rebound. And I just remember coming in and I, out of all the plays, I remember this play because I came from the right wing and got a, a long rebound and in the paint. But then I went up off the vertical and dunked it with two hands. And, uh, and Nate was just, I just remember him jumping up like, who is that? And that was the lad in my day. So after the game, he came over to me like um, talking to my dad. And my dad was like, yeah, he, he available. So my dad introduced us. And I'm like, Nate Blackwell, I got this guy poster on my wall. So I'm already thinking I'm getting an autograph. I ain't know he was a little coach. So I'm just thinking he's going to sign something. He like, yo, where you going to school at? And I was like, oh, I'm going to be, at the time it was called Beaver College. And it was like a division two, division three school. And he was like, are you serious? He was like, yo, we got a scholarship. My, my coach will be here next week to see you play. Next week I had another good game and Fang wound up coming. And they told my dad, and they offered me a scholarship, man, right there. It was like, yo, we we would love, like, even though I was late on, I couldn't take the SAT again. So he was just like, listen, you come your freshman year, you sit out, and, you know, we'll give you a scholarship for the next four years. And, man, and and, all, and to this day, I always tell people, Nate Blackwell saved my life because my, my thoughts was working for UPS, and playing at Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, so that was it. Wow. UPS part, that's what cracks me up. Yeah. <laughs> that's what dad kicked, almost kicked me out of the house. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I remember. I remember. Yeah. 
think that Nate Blackwell, I remember him too. He's a cool guy. But when I tell you guys how quickly my father got Antoine out of the house into school, it was like lightning speed. I wish I could show you the video tape yeah. like on VHS. When Antoine, <laughs> we had his going away party the day before, and then the day of that morning, we are filming him. Antoine, how do you feel? All this stuff. My dad, all you see is his back on the whole tape. You don't even see the front of him. You just see the back of him loading that car up. He's like, we going to Copper State. Let's go, Antoine. <laughs> <laughs> he had no words. He didn't care. My son is getting out morning. of here. Six yeah, it was very, very early. But I'm I'm glad that you know you you had that that's pretty much that savior in Nate Blackwell to see the the greatness in you. And when you were supposed to, you know, they were supposed to be looking at other people, that scholarship was supposed to be gone already. But I just see the greatness, you know, just the favor of God showing in different ways like that. And Absolutely. when you okay, so we know you did very, 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 very well in college because plug on and copping is streaming on ESPN plus. So my brother, <laughs> you'll see him on there too, but it just talks about um, the Fang Mitchell and how he brought a pretty much scrub team up to where did y'all make it to a sweet, who did y'all beat? South Carolina, South Carolina, South number Carolina. two, number yeah, two, they beat the number two C and upset them. 15 so, C beat the number two. <laughs> talk about an upset y'all were saint yeah. peter's before saint peter's yeah, but anyway yeah. <laughs> on and copping now when you um you had such a great career there and even though you you see looking back you see the flaws and where you could have developed more and all of that stuff you still were then able to go try out for the nba but you ultimately played overseas now, a lot of people, you know, kids growing up everywhere, anybody, any boy basketball, swear they go into the league. <laughs> Can you please give your experience of what that was like? <laughs> what does that yeah. look like? Because we know high school, you said high school to college, people are faster, they're stronger. They have a good basketball like you. So now we're talking about professional players in the NBA Everybody wants to be in it. Everybody thinks they can be in it. What does that look like for such an elite player like yourself? What did that look like? NBA was um, totally different. It was a different experience. Um, it's amazing how many kids, <coughs> excuse me, think that they're going to make it. And when you really look at it, it's not that many spots, man. And it was, you know, you got 60 guys fighting for pretty much no well no, no, no let's say a hundred guys fighting for 60 spots that may not even really be 60 spots because you got 60 draft picks you know what i mean so you got 30 in the first and 30 in the second the rest of y'all are pretty much out there but the strength and the speed and the iq of the game from high school to college college to the nba was totally different and the misconception where a lot of people have, especially young men, is they don't understand that when you, when if you're good in your hood or your school or your city, whatever you want to think, how many other cities, excuse me, in the states 
do you think guys are good? Thinking the same thing you're thinking. And at the time, it was 300 Division I schools, maybe 301 Division I schools, 12 players on each roster. And only 60 spots? That's a, that, you know, your chances were pretty much slim. But all of us, of course, we all thought we were going to the NBA and make this money and take care of our family, which is the ultimate goal for 98% of the kids that play the game, even to the even till today. But um, one thing it taught me was it was back then it was more position, you know, and me being 6'2", I wasn't pretty much going to play the shooting guard in the NBA, you know, and I always laugh when I tell people me and the guard, Bonzi Wells, and Bonzi Wells is 6'7". And he had me on the post, and I always remember him looking down and just start laughing like, you got to be kidding me. If he's a shooting guard in the NBA, I'm going to a 50. I was like, and I just, I hit him with an elbow because that was just my Philly nature of always wanting to fight when I couldn't figure out how to, how to rationalize, how to do something because it was like, that's all I knew was just start a fight. And, and um, you know, looking back at it with these kids now, it was like, you learned a hard lesson, but the the one lesson I really learned was education was important. And uh, I I broke my shin and came in two spots. So I needed surgery. And I always remember sitting in the room um, and they was like, oh yeah, you know, the Atlanta Hawks was, they here and you might have, you might be okay. You know, Lenny Wilkins was the coach at the time. And, um, you know, you're you're sitting there and people doing interviews and you're going through it. And I just remember the doctor telling me, um, you got 30 days. And I'm like, 30 days? He was like, yeah, you got 30 days to get surgery. You, you talking about playing, you may never even walk again. So as a kid of 24 going to, well, matter of fact, no, I had just turned 25. So a 25-year-old young man being told something like that when you're at the height of your career and the height of your dream, you're that close to tell you you need surgery and you know, you may not be able to walk. You talking about walk, you talking about I may never even be able to play or walk again. That devastated me, man. So I always tell kids now like, get your education um, because you're one injury away from never even making it. You know, and without an education, you may be in trouble. But, you know, a lot of people, you know, parents, we we have kids and we think our sons are able to play. Oh, he's going to make it to the NBA. Everybody think their kid going to make it to the NBA. Even when they stink, we as parents think that our kid is going to make it. You know what I'm saying? So for me, to young, for young people and even parents, is um, don't put so much pressure on your kid to take care of you because some like kids get this thing, especially boys taking care of their mom. We get this thing. I'm going to get to the NBA and I'm going to take care of my mom, you know, because that's what the whole dream is. And in reality is more like get your education, you know, have something to fall back on because basketball is limited. You want injury away from never playing. They can't never take away that education from you. So, you know, it, it, it was definitely, 
a big difference, like college and pro. Yeah, you know, it was it's a difference, man. And you know, I just hope most of these kids realize everybody's not going. Unfortunately, everybody's not going. It's only going to be sixty picks, and then next year is another sixty picks. So, you know. So, I mean, you kind of delve into the question I'm going to ask, but if you could go back to talk to yourself at, at 16, <laughs> what would you tell yourself uh, about navigating the future ahead of you? Go to class. Study class. <laughs> Take education more serious. <laughs> and, and, but in a basketball sense, I would say work on all your weaknesses. Like I never worked on what, what what I was weak at. I always did what I was always good at, which was go to my right hand, shoot a, a jump shot or don't. You know, I never, you know, you, you need to train your brain to be able to, to the speed to slow down. And um, it's just learning, pretty much I'll say learning the game. If I, if I could talk to myself, I would tell myself, learn the game, sit down and stop being so arrogant and listen to people who did it before you. Great. So here's the here's the thing. We have to talk about two important things. Uh -oh. So the two important thing is one, we have to go back to NCAA experience of in mm. of ninety. So here's the setup. Copper State has been to NCAA four times, tournament four times. 1990, 1993, and 1997 and 2008. It happened to happen in 1997, where they beat the number two seed, and y'all was rated number. 15. So take us through that experience. And then I want to kind of settle back about your son. So we'll, we'll, we'll transition to your, your son, Akisha nephew and his experience and what you're trying to guide him through. But we need to go. We'll be, it'll be, we'll be very disgusting for us and not talk about that. They have, they have, you know, that's your stories on ESPN talking about this. So we want to hear about that experience. And and this is the season where you was averaging seventeen, so you was a, a true was junior when this happened. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. you had a great record. Copper State had a great record. I think you won twenty one games. Yeah, won your division, yeah. and you had the number fifteen seed. So everyone's saying, okay, we pencil in South Carolina, who's rated number two. Yeah, Antoine, tell us that experience. What happened? Oh man, so I remember that like it was yesterday. It was. <laughs> They popped up on the screen, you know, on Selection Sunday, mm -hmm. and reporters were there. And the first thing, I uh, wish I could remember the young lady's name. She said, Antoine, she was like, she was asking the panel, like, what are you going to do about South Carolina? Because they got three guards that are, they beat Kentucky twice, like, they are the SEC big dogs. They're the champions. What are you guys going to do with them? And, of course, uh, young Antoine Brockton's response was, what are they going to do with me? I'm the best guard in the country, and there's nothing nobody can do with me. So, but And going from there and getting to Pittsburgh, man, and um, running out on that floor, it was – that's like something you you will never forget. And um, you know, we ran through the tunnel and we out there and uh you know, we going through the lab line and I just remember Turk turning his ankle and it got quiet. 
in South Carolina is at, they're at the tunnel about to warm up and they're laughing at us. And they pointing like playing with the ball, throwing, doing silly stuff, playing soccer, footsies, whatever they were doing with the ball, but they wasn't shooting. You know, they wasn't warming up. They weren't, they was laughing. They really weren't taking us serious. And Turk was like, listen, tape my ankle to our trainer, Mike. And he taped Turk ankle. And Turk dunked the ball so hard to make them look down there and yell. And I just remember them looking and it was quiet. You could hear a pin drop. And they looking at us like, these are like who they think they are. And we walked off. Turk was like, they're going to find out tomorrow. And all I said was, I'm going to fry everybody that's in front of me. Like, I'm going to cook them. So when game day came, man, I just remember Reggie Wells asking me. <laughs> he said, he was, because they used to always call me Eddie Jones. So he was like, baby Eddie. What is <laughs> and I'm just thinking about it because you asked this question. I remember standing at the tunnel. Red says, baby Eddie, what you need from me for us to win? And I said, 15 rebounds. If you can get us 15 rebounds, G, and keep the game close so they don't turn on young and arrested. Why I said that? 25 years ago. <laughs> That's all I can remember coming on that channel was the young and arrested. So I'm just like, don't let them turn around and the rest is all. We got to keep the game close. And Reds went out there, man, and he just told me, do what you do. And one thing about that team, man, our team was nuts, but we loved each other. And, you know, we just did a podcast with uh, one, of our, with one of my, our teammates, and he's in Dubai. And we did a podcast with him, with all of us on there, and uh, – it was it, it was good to hear everybody's, you know, point of view on there because going into that, man, they was just like, oh, man, y'all don't have a chance. You know, y'all are 17-point underdog. And, you know, we was like, damn, seven, like, we don't get no respect. But when you're dealing with inner-city kids, one thing people don't understand about the tournament, inner-city kids don't care. New York, Philly, Jersey, Baltimore, D.C., See, we used to playing against tough competition because we grew up in the inner city. Mm -hmm. So playing against South Carolina was no different for us. You know, they wasn't the best guards I see, but Mackie, Watson, and, and Davis, I, I to this day, I respect all three of those guards because I went back and watched them play. And it was so funny because I'm like, man, they was really that good. But 25-year-olds won. I ain't think they were that good. I thought I was the best thing in the country. But – you know, looking back at it, man, and when the game, the turning point was a left-wing three-point jump shot with the shot clock running down, Danny Danny Singletary hit a three. And he kept his hand up, running up the floor, and I could just see all South Carolina bench hit. All of them put their, hand, their head in their hand. And I said, Danny, we got him. We got him. Not knowing we was going to beat them by the spread that they were supposed to beat us by. Like, that's what made it more amazing for me was like, damn, we blew them out. It wasn't even close. It wasn't even, excuse me, it wasn't even close. And them crazy fans in Pittsburgh turned on them so fast. And next <laughs> thing I know, we got 10,000 people screaming 
for us who don't even know us, man. And that's a feeling you'll, ah, man, I'll never forget that feeling. Trust me, I will never forget it. Awesome. The score was 65-78 Copper State. And Antoine, who was just a running up and down, just scored 20 points in that game in the NCAA yes. tournament in his debut. So, you know, just the average guy, wasn't that good, That's just it. run up and down, right. <laughs> scored 20. Just making a bunch of points, just shooting and telling people yeah. he's the best. Like, Yo, yeah. That's it. That's like, it. At, at this point, prove me wrong. Like, <laughs> prove me That's wrong. It. You had <laughs> Y'all to. Went home. Me, you had to. You had to prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Right. And Phil, you asked about his son, yes? Right. So I do. And the second question is now. And it's funny, we had your dad on and it's similar story, um, except for the injury, but similar story of the opportunity to try. Now, it looked like the third generation might get in. Mm-hmm. You know, um, your, your son had a great turnout for Iowa State, right? Yeah, yeah. Iowa State. Yeah. To say, when all brought the team all the way down to the Sweet 16. And I know as a father to see your child and Keisha could attest to this when you see your child doing great and, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, you vicariously live through him, but you had your own experience, but the opportunities at the door for him, what do you perceive to be, you know, his opportunity and what's the difference between your dad, you and him. And I kind of oh, wow. glimpses it's, I kind of think it's experience, but you know, yeah. opportunity, but I want you to say your own words. Oh man, you talking about this? It was so real, man. To um, you know, even right now, to to see, you know, I watch the games over and over. I ain't gonna lie, I do. When my day is off, I watch I watch him all his videos repeatedly. And you know, when you're a player, and my dad would tell me this, so it's it's funny to see him. Um. Like all, and I guess, you know, a lot of people don't understand my son's story and they won't, you know, until you really do your research on it. But my son's been an underdog his whole career. Mm. You know, um, he's put up numbers, he's carried teams. So for me as a father, it was like training him and, and developing him. I knew what he was capable of, but at times, I don't think he did, mm. you know, and it was like, um, it's the same thing with when, when uh, Keisha was playing, like, I was, I was so hard on him because I wanted him to be so much better than me, and the crazy thing are, both of them are better than me, but I'm, you know, because they get, they, they both famous, they more famous than me now, so they got their jersey retired and all this cool stuff, and I ain't nobody, so I'm just Keisha's brother and Isaiah's dad, you know, so, <laughs> The funny thing about it, man, it, it 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 was good to see it, and for years we always talked about him playing in the tournament. So when he got there, he was a freshman. He didn't really play, you know. He got in, he got a nice dunk against Florida when he was at St. Bonaventure. Um, when he got in with Penn State, COVID hit, so that you know that that pretty much knocked him out. And you know, coming into his senior year, all he said was that I just want to get there. And I'm like, yo, there's nothing like getting to the tournament when you're the man and you can play and you can dictate if you win or lose. Like, you just got to get there. So all year, I would just tell him, you have to go 
you need eight wins in the Big 12, y'all can make it. If you get eight wins, you just got to go eight and eight. I'm a, and that's just average, even though I don't like him to think average, but I know how difficult the Big 12 was. So when I seen his, you know, Iowa State name call on Selection Sunday, man, it brought back so many memories. And it was just like, oh, man, it, it, it was one of those moments. Like, I'm forgetting I don't have no eligibility then. So I know I can't dictate the outcome now. So it was like to, to, to be able to be there um, with him and go through it was amazing man it, it, it was it was amazing because it, it was like damn he's an underdog like I was an underdog and they won you know it wasn't the same as a 15 12 but it didn't matter to me it was still like he was a 15 seed and they were a two seed so when he got to the sweet 16 I just remember him running to the stands and we hugging and then we embraced me like that I beat you and I'm like, what the hell? Like, that's supposed to be a father-son moment. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, damn, I did it. He said, we did it. And I'm like, damn, he right. Damn, that's sweet 16, like where I was supposed to be. And I was one point away, but he did it. And I was just like, yo, he's in the sweet 16. But I, I guess, like, when I tell people, you know, and I just had a conversation with Isaiah, and it was like, you like, Dad, you always believed in me. And I'm like, yo, I don't live through my son. I live with him because I played the game. And we went about it two different ways because I taught him a different way to play it because we grew up two different ways. So he didn't have to play the game as violent and nasty as I played. He could play more skill set. And, you know, looking at it, man, and watching them videos back, and I'm just like, Yo, my, you know, my middle, that's my, that's my boy right there. Like he did it. Like he actually got to the tournament with him being a leader. And that was one of the most important things for him to, and, and for me to see it, man, it, it, I, words can't even, ex, can't, you know, it's, I can't even express it, man. It was just one of those feelings as a parent when you know your child has arrived. And to see him now, man, go on his journey to try to play professional basketball. And it's like, I just give him, you know, words of encouragement. I don't really coach him like I used to. I just pretty much tell him what not to do like his dad did. Don't be hard-headed. If they say pick a roll pass, pick a roll, please pass the damn ball. <laughs> do not shoot, don't shoot the ball. <laughs> so, you know, man, he – He's out in Dallas right now, man, working out with his trainer and his agent. And, man, and he called me last night, actually, man, and to hear your child excited about getting better, hmm. it, 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 it's a great feeling, man. It's definitely a great feeling. That's great, man. I mean, like, I'm just, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of him. And what I think I'm most grateful for is that you all had each other. So we didn't, we don't have this story of like, you know, our fathers weren't around to do this, that, mm -hmm. and a third. And even if that was the case, you still carry his genes. So we always have something to be thankful for. <laughs> you know what I'm Ooh. saying? But it's like, each of us has somebody who we can lean on and glean experience from. And that's why I'm even more excited. You and I talk about it too, with um, my oldest son. So, 
he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> two, yeah. two. Definitely going to my own horn. I'm going to blow the trumpet because he's great. And I think I'm I'm just really grateful because he gets to see his grandfather or in, get impartation from his grandfather, his uncle, his cousin, his mother, his father. Like he has a whole yeah. village of people who know what it's like, who know what to tell him and aren't just watch, you know, playing 2K and yeah. watching ESPN and telling him to emulate something. So Absolutely. Antoine, good job, Mr. Brockington. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Very good job, sir. You're done. Thank you, good. sir. Thank you. I'm done. Well. Appreciate, appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> so again, Antoine, we just thank you. You know, it's Go funny. Ahead. I I want to, I know we, we're wrapping up, but your dad was on the show and your sister asked who was a better player <laughs> between the two. Guess what your dad said? But, oh, my. What lie he tell? Cause I hope he don't say he was better. No. I asked him, hey, dad, out of all your wonderful, wonderful children, who would you say is your favorite player? And he said, oh, man, you know what? Keisha. <laughs> I'm going to say Antoine was good, but Keisha was my favorite. I said, yeah, because I played no. like him. I mean, that no. only makes sense. You, that, I played defense. Yeah. I agree. That's 100%. <laughs> he, but you know what's funny? He always said that. He was like, Twine, you were tough, but you was, you was a finesse player. Your sister mm-hmm. was nasty. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like, you know, with my makeup on, too. Yeah, I agree. I said, yeah. My sister, but when I, the funniest thing, man, I had a referee ref my game. Oh, it had to be like a month ago who ref my dad, me, and my sister, and my son. And to this day, he always says, Twan, I love you to death, but your sister was way better than you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Yo, and it, 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 it's so a good cool. thing, man, because. You know, when I, you know, I love my little sister and her thing was she did it because mm-hmm. she watched me and I did it because I watched my dad. Right. So it just trickled down. We yeah. all went about it different ways. Mm-hmm. Right. But at the end of the day, we all were successful. Right. And, you know, to watch my son now take stuff that I taught him and he's finally listening and putting everything mm-hmm. to, together, he's going to be great. But, my nephew and you know i was just telling my sister and my brother-in-law like my nephew was on deck and we're going to make sure he to, he's going to be better than my son because he's not going to go through the same pitfalls because right. he has a village to stop him yeah. from going down that path yeah. you know what i mean so i'm gonna be honest man i'm real excited for my son and i'm real excited for my nephew because we can actually see them play without going through all the BS that we went through, even though they're right. going to go through it. Right. But it's just, you know, we can kind of cushion it and get them less potholes to hit. Right. Yes. You know I mean? So that's, 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 that's that the pothole. main thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's dope. Well, thank you so much, sir. Oh, man, we I appreciate, appreciate this interview series. And of course, everybody, if you haven't seen it, watch on and cop and it's on espn plus and don't forget share this interview hello a lady and some dudes podcast share it comment talk to us do all of that stuff because we love it okay (laughs) you all have a great one and we'll see you on the next episode
All right, y'all. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes. Please remember to follow us, like, share. We are on Facebook and Instagram. Our Facebook handle is at a lady and that is the and sign, some dudes. Our handle on Instagram is a lady and some dudes. Everything is spelled out. So that's a lady, A and D, some dudes. Until next time.